What's up, everybody? Christian and Gabe here. And before we get started on the show today, just want to remind everyone to come out Tuesday night, tonight, to the Players Club at Let It Fly in Germantown. This week, we will have Andarius Coffey, Terrence McLean, William Whitlow, and Kobe Drake joining us. So you can come in, eat, and check out the show. And always, we have content everywhere, including Players Club, Tigers Untapped, On the Bluff, our podcast, Anthony Sane Show. Subscribe on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure. Look. Have mercy on me. What's Have up, mercy everybody? Welcome back to On the Bluff in the studio. I'm your host, Christian Fowler. My other host, co-host. co-host I don't like yeah, it. I like yeah, other yeah, hosts yeah, better. Other host, okay. Gabe Coon in the flesh. It feels so good to be back, man. Nice I've missed you guys. Kenny, I've missed you too. Hey, Believe man. Believe it or not. Listen. Believe it or not. <laughs> Believe, it or not. <laughs> Believe it or not. Screw you, man. <laughs> Man, it feels every time one of us misses a week, it feels like years. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's been a minute. And you didn't even do the episode last week. Me and Kenny did it via StreamYard. So you really are back. We yeah. almost got Gabe to do it last week. I get to talk some ball, like some yeah, actual some like, real everything real is ball. 100% live now. Yeah. We'll talk about that all later. Okay. Can't wait. Okay. One thing before we do get started, jump into the University of Memphis. Defeating Arkansas State by 34 points. Gabe, T-minus two and a half Two and a half weeks. Yes, sir. It's coming up. Fired up. It's coming up. I got that fire in my belly. Yeah. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. I still got to pay for a few things. But outside of that, we're we're doing well. We're doing all right. Wait, why don't you – you haven't said, Christian, what it's in. It's a wedding. It's a wedding. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. Thank you. Live studio audience. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yes. But yes. not just not just any wedding, Gabe Coon's wedding. Yes. Do you have your outfit picked out, man? What do you got? No, you I got? don't. I'll have something. Okay. I'll have a little bit of heat. You strike me as you strike me as it's based on the shorts. This is based on the shorts. Yeah. You strike me as tapered fit pants that end like right here, no socks. And you're gonna wear some uh loafers. No. So you're gonna go like old you're gonna go regular. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> Momentarily, you'll see. Okay. I know I won't be like the focal point of this thing or anything, so that's a little bit disappointing. But if there better be like there better be like one or two buttons undone if you have a blazer on. Yeah. I don't need a tie or a bow tie. No, no tie. I'm not gonna go. Tie. Yeah. Tuck it in. Couple couple undone. Yeah. Get the hamburger meat out. Right, you, what little you, you have. know I don't have any. So. <laughs> Just chest. Just straight up chest. I could give you some. Okay. We glue it on. Yeah. You cut me some off. We'll glue it on. <laughs> a good look yeah all right gabe you weren't I, y'all, oh, y'all oh, know that oh. y'all know that gabe didn't ask me what i was wearing because he, oh, knows, Kenny, what are you he wearing? knows it's just the fat boy suit like i just have yeah like you a, just have it sitting there i just have it sitting there it's been sitting there for a long time it's the same suit it's just what i got my man. dad swore he was gonna wear black jeans and a bow tie and i was like all right that's fine and then he took a picture of his suit the other day and i'm like there you're, you're a liar yeah you're a damn liar yeah i don't have a suit I mean, I do have suits, but I bought them when I was a much heftier man, so they do not fit. <laughs> they do. Actually, I kind of want to see you wear that now. That'd they do fun. not fit good. It's at like all. it's like the uh, suit jacket that I had when I was in, at the University of Memphis when I was like three twenty five. Yeah, I still have it in my uh, my closet. Doesn't fit too well. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. 
Oh my gosh, midriff on that thing is crazy. Yeah, and these suits weren't even bought. When the I was width, like, the width is the craziest <laughs> thing. Like the length of my arms is fine, right? But the width on that thing is just good lord. I was a big human being. Yeah, I didn't. And I'm even, still big, but good god, I I didn't buy these at two twenty five. I bought them at like one eighty five. Because yeah. I was 225 at one point. So yeah. that that would definitely be other question. When we first started working together. Yeah. Doing them film breakdowns. I was about 185 then. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I bought those. We picked a good year to do our film breakdowns, we, by the, the way. The, the literal year, best year. The Cotton Bowl year. That the was, yeah. Best year the University of Memphis has ever had. Yes. And once again, they've started off 2-0. and So they're undefeated at this point. The only undefeated team in the American Athletic Conference as of today not necessarily two impressive wins, Bethune, Cookman, and Arkansas State. They did what they needed to do, Not impressive opponents. How about that? Yes. But impressive wins. What do you think? Week two, Arkansas State, 21-point <sighs> favorites. They won by 34. Uh, th- what I said going into that game is I want to see them leave no doubt. It's as simple as I could put it. And they did not leave doubt. Yeah. To be fair. And uh, the defense looks phenomenal. Absolutely. Like ju- And, I, again, always going to preface this and add the – uh, context, it's Arkansas State. We'll talk about them in a second because I really want to have a conversation about okay. them. They were dreadful. Yeah. Um, but DJ Bell, nice interception return. Chandler Martin, who we talked about in the preseason, all over the damn field. Seven tackles, two and a half for loss. Forced fumble. Yeah. Um, you know, secondary held up consistently. Uh, run game, uh, stopping the run, they look great. Uh, they they have some playmakers now on the D line that can actually get after the quarterback. Derek Hunter one and a half sacks. Yep. Uh, I think uh, Jara Anderson had a sack as well. They can get into the backfield and create some havoc. So defense is the overwhelming positive. If I'm going to go negatives, if you're if you're viewing this season through, this team needs to win nine or ten games. I didn't like the offense that I saw. Yeah. I did not enjoy the offense I saw. But I'll say this. With where the defense is at, you feel good about being in every game, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And, the, and the offense can sort of fall in line, be timely, and figure it out as, out as the season goes along. And that's sort of what we predicted. We figured the defense would be ahead of the offense, and uh, defense would keep pace, and they've done that so far. Yeah, it, it feels very different from the last two years because it, it felt like, and it turned out to be that way, if Memphis wasn't able to run up the scoreboard and outscore someone in a shootout, and they weren't going to win. I I played four years at the University of Memphis, three of them of which there was no other way we were winning besides scoring 50 points and saying, hey, defense, stop them twice. Yeah. This is a different, I think, semi-positive changeup where even against great offenses, you feel like your defense can keep you in the game and give you a shot to win. That has not been the case. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel really good about it. Like you said, they not only have guys that can make plays, which on paper is a great thing, but when you watch them, there's a visible difference in the way they play. Yep. Like they're flying around to the ball. They're creating negative plays for other offenses. They're creating turnovers at least a little bit at this point. It hasn't – they haven't had an onslaught game where it's like four or five turnovers. Yeah, hey, that was four. Yeah. It was four. It was four. First game, first game was one. Yeah, but four in the second game, I'll take it any take day it. of the week, yeah. And, and to get a touchdown from your defense, mm-hmm. DJ Bell, someone that was kind of an unknown going into this year, uh, getting a pick six in his second start, very positive sign. You mentioned Chandler Martin. 
he has the makings of a very good American Athletic Conference linebacker. Derek Hunter as well, you know, one and a half sacks in this game. Just overall, defensive line overwhelmed their offensive line. They won that battle up front. The other side of the ball, they didn't play terribly. Like, they had some effective runs. Overall, it wasn't great. I think they were under four yards per carry running. Seth Hennigan, not an incredible game again, but decently took efficient. Care of the ball. Yeah, he took care of the ball in this game. Didn't throw any interceptions. I think he was 21 of 29. Uh, 239 two and two TVs. touchdowns. Yeah. So pretty efficient game, nothing spectacular. I think overall for me, and this is what I'm concerned about, is are they keeping it vanilla because they played two bad opponents or is it just a very basic offense? Like, will there be any creativity to this offense this year? I think that in the past game, they they have the tendency to get creative. Like yeah. that RPO to Toski is fun, like wide open. Um, they try to throw wrinkles at you like that. I think the pass concepts will be great, but I hate to be this guy. I'd go with the latter. I don't know if there's a lot of creativity in the run game. Yeah. Tim Cramsey hasn't shown it. No. He hasn't shown it. And Ryan, you know, you don't think you would run into things like this, having an O-line coach who was so successful at really setting up the O-lines I played on and right after I left when Mike was still here, all those lines just switched up concepts, running the ball, they'd get under center, They'd run traps. They'd run, you know, uh, sort of duos, if you will, straight up yeah. on, uh, you know, not a zone, but just sort of man blocking concepts. They'd run counter. They'd run pat. You don't see any of that. It's inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, outside zone, inside zone, inside. It just consistently, out of the shotgun, handing a running back and uh, in between the tackles and saying go. It's it's not working. You have to switch things up and give the defense a different look. And I don't think that Tim Cramsey's shown any level of tendency to do that. And yeah. I guess if you want to hold out hope, you could you could do your first thought there. Maybe they're keeping it vanilla because they want to save it for Mizzou. They want to save it for these this stretch of good teams they're going to play. But I, I think based on the sample size that we saw last year, Tim Cramsey, this is his M.O. Keep it very simple, inside zone, inside zone, run it up the middle. Yeah, and to me, the question was with Tim Cramsey coming into this season, it was what does he do with dynamic running backs? Because the last couple of years, they, they've had some decent players, but not guys that were burners or that were outside runners. They had guys that were made to kind of run up the middle. That was, you know, Jay Ducker and Asa Martin and these guys. They Brandon were more, Thomas. Yeah, Brandon Thomas. They were more guys that were going to be more effective in between the tackles. But with Sutton Smith and Blake Watson, those are guys that can get out in space and create plays. And I do like the fact that they're throwing them the ball. They're getting them the ball in space there. But as far as running the ball and the running schemes, they're just not – they're not getting them in space. They're just ramming up the middle. I mean, Blake Watson had 20 carries for 51 yards in this game. There's just no inventiveness. No. And there hasn't been since Ryan took over, to be quite frank with you. Yeah, just to create lack of creativity. Yeah, and it's just it's it's frustrating in a lot of ways. And you know, I guess the thought there would be you have to have the guys. Even if you're going to differentiate schemes, you have to have the guys to be able to understand that and do what they're told and play their role within those schemes. And maybe they don't have the confidence in those guys to get that done. But still, I, I think you need to provide different looks because it makes the defense work and use their eyes and get uncomfortable sometimes. Um, and they're just not doing that. They're yeah. just not doing that. Yeah, I will say, though, kind of mo- – I know you want to talk about Arkansas State and we can in a second, but kind of moving forward, let's kind of finish this out talking about short week, Navy, 
I, I feel really good about yeah. this game. 16 I, point favorites. Yeah. Should. Yeah. And usually there's always the concern with Navy of, oh, the triple option. And we know Memphis's defense is typically pretty leaky. But with the way that this defense and specifically this front seven has played in the first two games, I am. The le- I have the least <laughs> amount of concern I've had going into a Navy game in the last my, five or six years. My only concern is, one, okay, yeah, they played good defense against a different concept than the triple option. Can they do it? I think Matt Barnes has shown an ability to do that. And even before that, you had Mike McIntyre. That was that 10-7 to 7 game that they won on the road right. at Navy. So, like, I think that the more they've seen Navy over the years, they understand how to defend the damn triple option. And they practice it in, in fall camp. They practice it, you know, in spring camp because they always want to be ready for it. So I I think they'll be fine. My my concern, though, Christian, is uh, injuries. Like, you have a lot of depth up front, and the front seven's been performing at a high level. You don't want to have guys go down. And yeah. we know that in a Navy game, got guys diving all Cutting. over their legs. Uh, scramble blocking at your legs. Yeah. You just you want to win this game and convincingly and stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And with it's you. a short week. That's the other part. And, and talking about the triple option, like it, it is a different defense to defend for most teams because you don't see it. But the counter to that is having eleven guys flying to the ball. Yep. That, that is it. If you've got guys gang tackling and your safeties are coming up and making hits and your linebackers are flying around, it's going to be hard for any team to run the ball 40-plus times yeah. a game. Gap integrity and just tackle who you're supposed to tackle. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And now they have the size up front to play against that. That's yep. been a problem in years past is they just haven't had the size and they've kind of been bullied at the point of attack. I just don't see that happening with guys like – Derek Hunter up there. I just don't no. see him getting pushed back. And by the way, lot. he's listed at 265. Ain't no damn way he's no. 265, no. bro. Like, what are we talking about? I mean, I totally I, I, fi- I find that unbelievable. Yeah. That just doesn't seem right. And Jar Anderson barely looks like he's 265. He yeah. looks like he's got some height to him. Where yeah, he's, he's, not, he's a little slender, he's a little but slim. he's not 260. He looks a little taller a little than tall. that to where. Yeah, so I'm encouraged by this sense. game, even on a short week, because that's it's always Navy on a short week for the most part, and it's a lot of concern of okay, if they can get if Memphis can get over this game, then you know fans typically feel good about the rest of the season. This is a bad Navy team. This seems to be a very good Memphis defense. Like I'm just not, I just don't have many concerns about. This I game. want the offense to break out of their shell, though. This is the game where you need to show like Navy will play at least serviceable defense compared to the first two opponents. Yeah. Um, no pun intended, being that they're a service academy. But nice. they'll play some serviceable defense. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. They'll play some serviceable defense, and I I want to see them break out of their shell and try to differentiate schemes and try to sort of put it on Navy. Yeah. And I think that goes. this is the same thing as it was for the Arkansas State game for me. Leave no doubt. Yeah. These are games that in the past two years you've let be closer than they should be. Yeah. Go in them early, often, keep putting it on them. Agreed. All right, what do you want to talk about with Arkansas State? Arkansas State, they've been outscored in the first two games. Granted, Oklahoma and Memphis, 110-3. It's tough. Butch Jones, I think, is about done. I don't know. I don't know what you can do there. And I, I think he's one of those examples of a coach who got his shot, was good on the way up, got his shot at Tennessee, failed, and he has to sort of rebuild his career in his 50s. And maybe his heart's not in the same right. place, right? Like, we've seen examples of that in the past. Um, but I 
I almost think, like, looking at that team, that might be the worst team in FBS football. Like, when we, we, like, we will be talking at the end of the year about how miserable they are and where they stand in the world of being the worst team in college football. Like, they – not talented, <laughs> not disciplined, and they add to it by not being well coached. Yeah. I was blown away at how bad they were. And I'm, I'm not trying to take shots. I promise you I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not trying to do any of that. I am just telling it how it is. That is the worst Arkansas State team I have seen since being in Memphis, and it's not close. Yeah, I mean, we were used to I – mean, not being feisty at yeah, least. Not, like, even, not even from a Memphis perspective, just from a national pers- perspective. Like, you knew when you faced Arkansas State they weren't going to be the most talented team, but they were going to play hard. They were going to be well coached by Blake Anderson and his staff, and it is not the same. It does not feel the same whatsoever. JT Shrout has been miserable in the first two games, and they – the lack of talent is evident, and then the lack of just schematically and coaching and discipline, all those things have been on full display. I mean, 110 to 3 in two games is and you have And you have Butch crying on the sideline in game one. Yeah. I, I just, man. And he, I, I don't know what Arkansas State does when it comes to, like, switching coaches. And we'll get off this topic in a second. But, and like, I don't know their money situation. I think he's got three years left on his contract, but – I don't know how you let them see the end of the contract. They have gotten actively worse under him. Yeah, that's tough. Um, anything else we want to hit on? I, I, we are going to get to our second segment, I would imagine, relatively quickly because we have a whole lot to talk about. It's a busy sports weekend. Do you have anything else that you want to touch on before we no, send sir, it to break? Because uh, I know I'm, I'm ready to talk about some Shador Sanders and some uh, Colorado Buffaloes. Yep. Man, I'm, man, I'm ready to talk about Texas. Are they back? Yeah. Are they back? The real question. You mentioned Shador Sanders. Coached by his father, Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Primetime. Yes. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah. We got a guy on the other side that's primetime. Prime. He's primetime. Not today, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to keep it that way. Some people in his lifetime have called him Kenny, primetime, Stubblefield. I think so. Yeah, I've heard that. I think so, too. So we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to see what primetime has on the other side for us with the hot three. Yeah, Chris but, Harris, the North Memphis resident too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've seen. Depending on where you draw the lines, right? <laughs> I saw you. I was uh, I was driving uh, when I lived in that crosstown area. You, you texted me. You thought I was in trouble. Yeah, you thought yeah. my car broke I down. I saw you walking down the street. <laughs> I was like, Chris Harrison might be on crack. <laughs> but no, you were walking. <laughs> you were walking through North Memphis at like nine o'clock at night. I said, Chris, you good? Well, let's get some exercise, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you good? I wasn't that far from the Valentine Evergreen yeah, Green Line, you but know? I knew you lived out that way. But I was like, well, let me check on my guy just right, to make sure. Right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I was like, my man, I here just walking through North Memphis out here. Yeah, for sure. Tune in to the Anthony Sane Show Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape, 
Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. Anything concerning, we've kind of talked about the picks that set through some of the high balls. Anything else that you saw Saturday that you're like, man, they need to, they need to get that figured out. No, I don't think so, man. Especially nothing on defense. I think we looked incredible on defense. Um, I, the, the one thing that I think would perhaps concern me is just we're still seeing Seth kind of float some passes and not really settling down. That's more yeah. nitpicking than anything. Like you don't want to see your quarterback, your highly sought quarterback, playing Bethune Cookman and throwing two interceptions. I mean, I think Silverfield gave it a B minus. I think that, I mean, given 56 to 14, but they went out and did what they needed to do to me. I mean, you beat the brakes off of a team that you should beat the brakes off of, and you looked very good. Exactly. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Discover a world of possibilities at Streetcars of Memphis. Revamp your ride with the ultimate auto transformation. From booming audio systems to eye-catching wheels, powerful lift kits to sleek drop kits, cutting-edge LED lights and light bars, we've got it all. Unleash your style with confidence. Feel the next level of auto care at Streetcars of Memphis. Your dream ride is just a visit away. Visit us online at www.901scm.com and let the transformation begin. What's up, boys? Hey, prime time. <laughs> prime time, Kenny Stubblefield. It's Kenny, the hot Kenny three. prime time Stubblefield. There you go. Uh, it's the hot three sponsored by Street Cars of Memphis, man. If you want anything done to your car, whether it be regular maintenance or if you want to pimp your ride, go to Street Cars of Memphis. Look in the uh, the description of the video of the podcast episode, and the link is there. Big shout out, Street Cars of Memphis. Boys, y'all ready? Yes, sir. Let's do this thing, man. All right. I know this is like y'all's uh, favorite time of the year. Christian is watching the game on the side of him. The game is going on right now. It is the Buffalo Bills versus the the Jets. Lot of really good football. Obviously, let's start in college first before we get into NFL. Week two. Week two. Uh, Texas, Alabama, huge game. Texas beat Alabama. Uh, Colorado came back um, after an incredible win against TCU. Played Nebraska. Home opener in Boulder. Donkey stomped them up and down the field. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts on week two of college football? Where do you want to start? Alabama, Let's Texas. Let's start with Texas, Bama. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna throw you an alley real okay. quick. Is this an indication of Texas is back, or is this an indication of Alabama is on the beginning of a decline? Uh, I think that Alabama's been declining for some okay. time. For, like, since since they won the national championship with uh, 
with Mac. Yeah. Quite frankly, even with Bryce Young, Bryce Young's the best quarterback I think they had of those four. Yeah. And he couldn't get anything done with that team because they didn't have the wide receivers. Their defense wasn't the same. That O line had regressed. So I think they're regressing. But at the same time, like I'm not ready to do the whole Nick Saban has done thing because no. I don't think that's the case. I think he'll morph however he needs to morph to make that team good, even in his waning years. And I think he's a ball coach. I know Alabama fans don't want to think about him leaving yet. And I don't think he's going to leave you know the next couple of years i think he's a ball coach for life and he really wants to just keep going until he can't anymore you I know, agree. due to health reasons um but i think texas is back i really do and i think they are ready to go take on the sec now they have nil money coming in sark has them playing well he's got quarterbacks in the waiting uh likely arch manning but he's got malik murphy too who was a high recruit uh they have really good weapons on the outside uh xavier worthy they have uh, uh the i forget the tight end's name but he caught for 114 yards ad mitchell from georgia was phenomenal in that game yeah. caught two back-breaking touchdowns yeah. um the o-line owned what they needed to own on defensive side they they bullied alabama's big ass o-line they have three dudes that are over 350 yeah. and they got after them they held up in the secondary i think texas is that team and I think what it really comes down to is people with Quinn Ewers, he is that guy. He was the highest rated recruit ever in recruiting when, since recruiting rankings have been a thing. He's yeah. the highest rated quarterback recruit we've ever seen. It shouldn't be surprising what we saw him do. Right. 300 some odd yards, three TDs, zero INTs. In my opinion, based on that win in Tuscaloosa, I know what Shador has done. I know what Caleb has done. That type of Heisman moment should put him at the top of the Heisman race in week two, at least. Now we're going to have to see him continue to do that. But he had a prime time showing, uh, unlike we've seen at Texas from a quarterback since, what, Vince Young? Yeah. Uh, and I, I hope he keeps it up because he is a fun player to watch. And that that's the biggest difference to me is uh, Texas finally has leveled the playing field from a talent perspective and they have a coach that has them playing at a high level in Sark. Well, so I, I think it more to answer your question, if we're going Alabama is declining at a heavy rate or Texas is back, I think both can be true at the same time. I think I would lean more to the Texas is back train than Alabama is going off the deep end and they're done. You know what I mean? I've got some differing opinions here. And, for, and first off, we forgot Colt McCoy after Vince Young. So oh, yeah, Colt that. McCoy, sorry. Um, is Alabama declining? I think Alabama has not been as good over the past couple years, but I also feel like that can flip quickly. I think there's still not, a 9-win, 10-win yeah, team yeah. this year. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about this year specifically. I mean, obviously, I don't believe they're competing for a national championship this year. I yeah. don't think they're that caliber. And, and the reason why is not even I know Jalen Milrow is kind of the obvious one to point at they just don't have receiver talent they don't like Jermaine Burton was supposed to be that guy coming in last year he has not been great I know yeah. he, he caught three touchdowns on Saturday two of them were called back um but Jermaine Burton's not a one Javius Bond is kind of a speed guy Kobe, Kobe Prentice. Prentice was supposed to be the guy like in fall camp last year, true right. freshman year, they were saying that he was going to be the next great Alabama receiver. That hasn't panned out. Like they just don't have the dudes. I mean, when you're coming off of 
think skill about, players in general because I'm not a big Jace McClellan fan. I mean, he's I, solid. But I mean, they, they they won they won big with guys like Damian Harris, who I don't think is like a. But the peak of their back. powers was Mark Ingram, Trent of Richardson, Derrick Henry. Winning Heisman, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean, like that. They, they're but, used but, to having but, Josh Jacobs. But was even a stud. last year, even last year they had Jameer Gibbs, who was arguably the best running back stud. in college football. But they did not but, have the weapons around him. Yeah, they do not have rece- their biggest receiver. But I threat. guess that's my other point: is like now you take away the running back talent, right. In a bigger you, way with Jason McClellan, it's obvious and it's noticeable. Yeah, uh, I mean their biggest receiving threat last year was probably Cameron Latu, their mm-hmm. most uh, consistent threat as a receiver. So I just think they that they've missed on some guys. Not that it's not that they haven't gotten talent in that receiver room. You go look at where all these guys recruiting right. rankings are. They're all they're high. studs. They just haven't panned out yet. And so I'm not ready to write Alabama off yet. I don't think you were saying that either. But on the Texas's backside, it's going to take more than one game to convince all me right. Texas is back. I, I I guess my point is. If there was ever a time I over the years that. where we were going to say Texas that. is back, it's it's, now. it's right now. Agree with that. I do not believe in Steve Sarkeesian. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But he, I, I thought he had his team well. He had them ready to, play. to go. But here's the point. Also, that, that we do need to bring up, guy like Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, you can get guys prepped for an Alabama game at Tuscaloosa. Those guys are right. gonna, that, that speaks for itself. What does it look like when you play Texas Tech in conference? Yeah, exactly. And you just get into one of those knockdown drag outs in Lubbock. Or I don't even know their schedule right now off yeah. the top of my head. But one of those games that you have to sort of build yourself up to play instead and of that, the built-in emotion of playing at Alabama. And that's where I think we we see what this team really is. Yes. What do they do in the weeks where they're not at the top? Because they played Rice last week, and they did not look good. Yeah. They didn't. Yep. Didn't look good for the majority of that game. But Rice may be better than we Rice thought. Rice may be better than we thought, man. I Two OT win against Houston. Come on. <laughs> okay, but we're talking about JT a game. Daniels goat. Yeah. Goat conversation. Yeah, we're talking Heisman about, runner up. <laughs> we're talking about a game last week where JT Daniels was like in the first half, like nine of seventeen for sixty <laughs> yards and two picks. Right. And, and Texas could not take over. Quinn Ewers did not look extremely sharp. And I'm still not sold on Quinn Ewers. I, yeah. I'm not going to be sold. On, I, I know the talent is there, but I'm not going to be sold on Quinn Ewers until he does it consistently. Yeah. No, that's what that's what that's what college football playoff. That's of what course. national championship teams do. Is week in week out, you just find a way to yeah. find a way to win, and most weeks find a way to dominate. But even, but even like a team like Georgia had issues with that last year. They yeah. almost lost to Mizzou at Mizzou. Right. So it's it's hard to do no matter what to keep that same energy every single week. But if they just stack a bunch of wins on top of each other throughout Big Twelve play, then Texas is back. Yeah, I mean, it can happen. It can absolutely happen. I would just believe when I see it. Because like you said, Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jaheim Sanders. What's the other receiver's name? Is it Jordan? Is it Whittingham or Whittemore? Whittingham. Whittingham. Yeah, I feel like he's been there for 37 years. And uh, I have to find this tight end's name because he it's needs Jaheim to shout Sanders. Out. Is it Jaheim Sanders? Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Are we sure it's Jaheim? I'm fairly certain <laughs> i'm fairly certain if i'm wrong i'm gonna be pretty embarrassed you said that with extreme confidence i'm sorry i have to call him out now i think he went to img academy jatavion jatavion i was yeah. close yeah i don't know where jaheem came from but jaheem bell maybe jaheem bell that's it that's 100 right i got you, exactly I know what how i was doing um but yeah they are they're extremely talented as far as weapons go and they've got some younger running backs Obviously, with Roshan and Bijan gone, mm-hmm. 
but they've been impressive as well. Like they run hard. They run like Bijan and Roshan. Like they run hard. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. But um, moving on, let's talk a little bit of Colorado. I'll start us off here. Travis Hunter plays over 120 snaps again. Didn't have the same uh, number of receptions in this game, but as far as just his ability in the open field was was on full display. He's the Shohei Otani of college football. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And Shador Sanders, everybody in the first half of this game was like, okay, we hyped Colorado, and here they go. Uh, Shador Sanders had like, I think, 87 yards at the half. Comes out, finishes 395 and three. (laughs) 393, 31 for 42, three TDs, no INTs. And he got sacked seven times, and he didn't get flustered at all. I'll get to him in a second because I have a real... I have a real question to ask you. Okay, is it about Matt Rule? No. Okay, I thought that's where you're it's, going. It's about Shadur Sanders. Okay. But the Travis Hunter thing, at some point, I, I I know how hard it can be if you're Coach Prime. You're like, this guy is a absolute game changer on both sides of the ball. How can I keep my best wide receiver off the field? Or how can I keep my best DB corner off the field? I think just based on pure snap count, how that affects your body, what it can do for, you know, late season injuries and getting banged up. I think at some point he's going to have to skew one way or the other. Doesn't mean you take him off the field offensively the entire game. You can play him some snaps, but you have to, at some point, start to limit those snap counts at least a little bit. Yeah, because not only are you not only are you worried about exhaustion at that point, but injury as injury well. Injury is Just the soft tissue issue. injuries, oh hamstring groins, like, all that stuff. A hamstring will pop if you play that right. many plays eight games in a row. That's just not sustainable. And I think, I want your opinion on this too. If you're going to skew him to one side of the ball or the other, defensively, I think you skew him defensively and give him limited, more limited snaps on the offense because you already have uh, what the two guys from South Florida? Yeah, uh, you have some guys on the uh, Dylan Edwards is a good pass catcher as well at, at the running back position. Uh, I, I think you would skew him to the defensive side because you have more depth at wide receiver than you yeah. have a DB. He's by far your best defensive player. Yeah, and he's you know Shadur- Shiloh can play too. By the way, yeah, he comes Sh- down. And yeah, hits. he does. He doesn't he's, play like his dad. His no. dad wasn't much of a tackler, no, he but he, he would. I mean, he didn't let anybody catch the ball. But Shiloh yeah, runs Shiloh, that yeah. alley and smacks you. But uh, he, I think he is their best defensive player. Offensively, you've got Shador leading the way. You've got Dylan Edwards. You got Jimmy Horn, who you mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so they have guys there that can make plays. Now, if you're in crunch time of a game where you have to have it, have to then the he's on the field. Yeah. But for him playing 120 plus snaps for a 12 plus game season, I just that's tough. You can't do that. Can't do you that. just cannot. I, well. I'm not going to say it's impossible. We just never see it done. Right. No one's ever done it. Uh, but also, I, I was thinking about this too, South Florida. Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. were on that team for what, the last two years? Yeah. What the hell? I mean, Jeff Scott's just that bad. Yeah, I guess so. He's miserable. Um, now to my Shador Sanders question. Okay. Through two games, 903 yards. I think he's fourth through two games in Pac-12 history. Um, the touchdown numbers are astronomical. His numbers in general are astronomical. And I just sat there and I watched him drop back in the pocket, terrible O-line in front of him. He had he got sacked seven times by that Nebraska defensive line, and he never got flustered. He gets through his progressions. He'll look. He'll survey. 
He can create time using his legs. He's 6'2", 215. He was, I mean, he was a four-star recruit. He was recruited by Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Florida State. Like, you shouldn't be surprised that he's good. But NFL, talk to me. What do we think about him as a prospect? I'm starting to see him move up boards. Mel Kuyper, I think, put him into his top five when it comes to quarterbacks. I've seen him. I've already seen him mock. I'm sorry. That's a pro to me. That is that is a top two round pick to me. Watching him, because usually when you talk about good college quarterbacks, you get worried about their processing speed and how they process the information. You see all that. That dude gets through every progress he'll go through it all as long as he has time he'll get through it all twice if he needs to and in a quick timely manner and then he'll create more time for himself with his legs he always keeps his eye downfield i'm not gonna say he has the best arm in the world but he's accurate and it's good enough yep like joe burrow for example doesn't have like a hose right it's just where it needs to be when it needs to be there and i think that shadur sanders shows that He's got NFL first round upside. Yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. And here's I was just talking about Quinn Ewers, right? I'm not sold on Quinn Ewers. Right. I know the talents there. And we talk about uh, football guys, we talk about this all the time with quarterbacks. Some of them just have it. And there's never been there's never been a firm, concrete definition of what it is. But when you see it, you know you it. know it. And he's got it. <laughs> That's it. And for I don't. Sure. I don't see that for with a guy sure. like Quinn Ewers. I see that immediately when I watch Shador Sanders. Like the confidence, the moxie. How many the- guys can get hit seven times? I think he had seven sacks for fifty-three yards, and just continue to process information, take your time in the pocket, right. create more time with your legs, not worry about never getting get hit. sped up, never get sped never up, never get sped up. Like he just, he's never flustered. Yeah, he's got that cool, calm, collected attitude. The guy last year that had that cool, calm, collected attitude. That like, if I'm pointing out a quarterback it was Bryce, Bryce Young. Young yeah that's the guy like from a from a headspace standpoint even in that atmosphere they were in never panic never panicked even though he got sacked seven times still delivered the ball 31 for 42 393 yards three TDs against maybe not a good team in Nebraska but a good defense yeah yeah extremely impressive uh extremely impressive in what they've done they were a three or two and a half point favorite in that, that game. line was always too damn strong too damn small. Yeah, they kicked in the door on that one. Any other major storylines from week two of college football? Um, I know it was a pretty it's, week two. Is the, I mean, Ole Miss week. over Tulane. That I, I was impressed with Jackson Dart the second half of that game. Yeah. He showed up, showed up. I thought he was the reason they won that ball game. His yeah, line, it wasn't the run. His whole line, line did not play well. And I'm kind of, and I know I'm going to get into the weeds here a little bit, but the right tackle, Micah Pettis. Yeah. He's in his second year. He's a sophomore. He looked like. He looked awful. I think he went on Twitter and said, that'll never happen again, and yada, yada, yada. But he's a guy who's going to get some NFL looks, and he looked bad. Two straight holding calls, false starts, just getting beat all day. But Tulane's got some juice about him. They do. That they defense got, they, shows that up. That front seven is really good. Patrick Jenkins, the transfer from yeah. TCU, he's going to be a load to handle for that Memphis O-line. Yeah. that's that's. I have concerns about that already, but we'll see how the how Memphis does. Uh, the next couple of weeks. And then the other game, final game I'll talk about is uh, Miami over AM. 
And A&M is who we thought they were. And Connor Wigman is who we thought he was. Is Tyler Van Dyke uh, getting back to, hey, this might be a solid NFL draft prospect? I don't, I don't know. Uh, we, 374, we, five TDs, no INTs. But this is like, I mean, you can point at Tyler Van Dyke's career. Or you can point to the A&M. He's had games like that, but you could also point to A&M secondary and be like, they were awful. Yeah, but Tyler Van Dyke has been hyped as a potential first-round NFL prospect for multiple years now. But last year killed it. It because did. they were so bad. They were so bad. But I've never seen anything from him where I'm just like, he's legit. It's it's the it's literally it's the opposite test. of Shador yeah, Sanders, it's where you're test. like, this I don't know about this I just guy. Don't I, see just, it. I don't see it. Like I, I get it. I I, I see he's the, six five, two twenty. Right, he's athletic. He's got a rocket for an arm. Will he's usually athletic. Will Levis. Same thing with Will Levis. Usually you and me last of. year, we hated Will Levis. Like we were not high on Will Levis at all because yeah, he can have the cannon. He but can damn, be look at these physical attributes. You're right. And that's yeah. what that's what teams get stuck on. So um, yeah, Connor Wigman not look good. Bobby Petrino. I like Connor Wigman though I'm for the most part. I don't think he's that good. He just needs. I don't know. I I, I really wasn't even that after the first quarter. Yeah, the offense slowed down, but I thought that was just A and M has all those four star and five star, you know, defensive linemen and secondary members, and they all sucked. Well, I got <laughs> I got news for you. All our, our, we're, we've got the Bills oh, no Jets Garrett. game no pulled, up, yeah. pulled up over here. Our first touchdown score bet did not hit. Um, Sorry. I know we've gone long-winded with this first one, and Kenny's doing the hot three, but uh, last thing, is, are we at the breaking point with Jimbo? we got to be this, close. This year? got to be close. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. I, I mean, what, like seven wins, damn, man. Like, I don't know if I don't know if A&M's going to want to sit around and keep waiting on this thing to happen. And folks keep talking about his buyout. Texas A&M don't Texas care about that. Texas A&M, yeah, they, they don't care about, about that. that those don't. If those donors want to go win and be taken seriously in the college football playoff they'll, conversation, they'll pay that money. They'll pay eighty million tomorrow. Yeah, it, but it, also the the other conversation is who the hell else would they bring in right. that you know is actively better? That's a different story for a different day. Right, Kenny, number two, number two, NFL, NFL week number one. Um, obviously, the, the 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 week started off with uh, the Lions and the Chiefs. Um, Lions ultimately won that game. Um, apparently, there's an asterisk next to it. Oh, God. Come Mike on, Mike. Tirico. Apparently, there's an asterisk, I guess. Um, and it's going on right now. The The end of week one is happening right now. The Bills versus the Jets. What are some of the big takeaways y'all took? Y'all, y'all have from the uh, week one? Uh, on the asterisk thing from Mike Tirico, we can say... We can say there needs to be context added without calling it an asterisk. An asterisk means this didn't actually count. Right. This, this, you take this in one year out the other. No, I thought the Lions showed a hell of a lot of resolve going at, on the road yeah. at Arrowhead. I don't give a damn if Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey were playing or yeah. they weren't. For them, the Detroit Lions, yep. to go win a game in the final minute, uh, final minutes of the game, 21-20 over the defending champs, to hell with talking about an asterisk. No. Yeah. We have been pounding the drum for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes all offseason, yep. you and I. And I'm not saying this is some like, oh, we nailed it. It's week one, whatever. But what I will say, we talked about the defensive additions that they made four or five times. And you saw them all make impact. C.J. Gardner Johnson. C.J. Gardner Johnson everywhere. Field. Jack Campbell showing why he was a first-round pick. Just his athleticism, his range, his ability to cover um, the other corners. Manuel Mosley and Cameron Sutton. Solid. Uh, Brian Branch, yep. who they drafted out of Alabama with a pick six. Canarius boy. Canarius Tony's trash. Catch a damn ball. Um, but yeah, just overall great, 
great win for the Lions. I know there's no Kelsey, no Jones. That game probably is different, looks different if, if they're sure. not there. But that's that's football, dude. Like if that game was in Detroit, it would have looked different. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's it's just that man. Football is football. You're gonna have to deal with injuries, you're gonna have to deal with opposing crowds, you have to deal with all these ulterior things. I don't think you need to put asterisks over things. Patrick Mahomes is playing, wasn't he? Yeah. We can say we should add context to that win. There was no Chris Jones and no Travis Kelsey. Don't do the asterisk thing. Yeah, I think that's too I agree. far. Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about. Oh, you got something quick, else on this game? On the Brad Holmes front, everybody wanted to talk all this nonsense about their draft and what they did in the first round because of positional value. And me and you sat here the entire time. We go, okay, maybe you don't want to take a running back at 12. Maybe you don't want to take an off-ball linebacker in the first round. But both those guys mean something. Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell. Then you go to Sam Laporta. He was he looks he like looks a hell really of a good. target. Yep. Five cat five uh targets, five receptions. Yep. Um Brian Branch. Brian Branch was phenomenal. Like I you just go up and down that rookie class. That was a great draft class. Great draft class. As they've had consistently. Aiden Hutchinson, Panay Sewell. He was insane. Yeah. I mean, over the last couple of years, Aiden Hutchinson, Panay Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, like they've hit on so many of these picks and it's the reason why now they need they just need speed on the outside once jameson williams gets yeah, back you feel a lot better yeah. about that offense let's talk about uh another big storyline of the week and it happened in the miami dolphins and los angeles chargers game i i'm not gonna lie i've been a two attack of aloha supporter me too s- since day one at bama R- and i've never ju- i've never jumped off the bandwagon but relatively because you know the injuries have been more of but uh, i know how good of a player he is but he's got to stay on the field yeah but and and here's the thing even that is overblown i think the injuries the concussions and all that not from a fist not (laughs) not like saying that but in the moment last year i don't know if i I agree but injuries as a whole are typically freak things to get two concussions in a year that are as ugly as they were is a freak thing It, it and he put on weight the offensive line who has been pretty bad over the last couple of years, kept him extremely clean against LA's front seven. He threw for 466 yards. I think he had two touchdowns in that game, both to Tyreek Hill. No, he had three. Three. Yeah, two River Craycraft and two to Tyreek. Uh, Tyreek Hill said he was going to go over 2K this year. He's well on pace for that. I believe you. <laughs> uh, if, right now, I believe you. If both of those guys stay healthy, that's probably going to happen. Uh, 11 for 215 and two great start. Didn't even have to use Jalen Waddle a ton. Um, yeah, I was I was extremely impressed. I, I t- t- one throw that I was, and you know, we're, if we're talking football, we're gonna get in the weeds. So we'll try to speed these things up and talk a little bit quicker about them. The drive where they had to go down and score a touchdown. There's two throws on that one. That just yeah, blew me away. but the one where he steps up in the pocket, kind of Leo Mack move, on his yeah, back, yeah. moving a little bit to his left and just throws it and Tyreek Hill doesn't break it was, stride it was a whole shot too it was a, yeah. it was in between the corner safety and corner sitting safety over top yeah money Tyreek Hill and he didn't lead him all the way into the safety he took no, he some off there. of it to where Tyreek Hill could slow his feet and not get murdered yeah uh, to uh to as far as as far as accuracy goes is I, so up there I, in that's the why when Mike McDaniel last year I never freaked everybody freaked out about Mike McDaniel saying he was the most uh accurate quarterback in the NFL. I never freaked out about that. I was like, because he doesn't have the biggest arm. Why do you think he's in the position he is? Because he puts the ball on target. And yeah. 
You can be impressed with that throw. I was impressed with that throw, especially given the situation. SoFi was getting loud. 34-30, minute 45 You're going left. to the touchdown? Yeah. That damn fade ball <laughs> it was to a five foot ten wide receiver. I don't care if it's Tyree Kill or not. He didn't even have to jump for a fade he, ball. It just fell right into his he arms. Hard, he hardly had to move his arms. It really almost it just was, hit him dead in the chest. That was beautiful. Yeah. And I'm tired of people talking trash on Tua because when he's on the field, he's great. Great. 466 yards. He only trails, I think, for an opening game, Dan Marino at 471. But in a Dolphins, Dolphins yeah, yeah, just Marina. Yeah, but good God, man, this guy can play. Yeah, and, and you need to start respecting it. On the other side, though, Chargers, Chargers, Chargers Charger, Chargers, but <laughs> they have four guys that make over fifteen million dollars a year on that defense, and they're paying basically to have that defense be the worst in the NFL. Yeah, their run defense has not improved since Brandon Staley's been there, and he's supposed to. He was supposed to be defensive coordinator extraordinaire after his days with the Rams, yeah. right? Like Aaron he was, Donald makes you look He really was supposed good. to be that guy. He comes into the Chargers, and I don't see anything resembling a NFL defense or, yeah. a, or at least a playoff NFL defense. It's embarrassing. And, uh, and I'm tired of Justin Herbert bearing the brunt for his defense being awful all the time. And then people will say, well, he, he doesn't come up clutch in clutch moments. He, I think he's either... He's either first or tied for second with game go ahead drives in the uh go ahead drives in the time he's been in the NFL. In that in that same time period, he has either again first or tied for second with the amount of go ahead drives. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've I, I'm I've been hot and cold on Herbert throughout his career. Talent is immense, one of the best arms in the NFL. But there's just so many there's so many moments you can point to and say and it's not all on him though i, the, I think, uh, I think the I, intentional I, grounding was bad at the end it was of bad game. yeah it was bad but he also had people breathing taking right sacks down his neck at the end of the game yeah and that offensive line should be better than it. i mean overall Charlotte. Dolphins heated them up and they didn't pick it up they had five man protections on and yeah and, and I, don't, I don't think we got to see herbert really do his thing in this the run game. game looked good they ran for 235 yards so th- herbert didn't really have to be the savior in this game until he needed to be i think kellen there. moore is gonna have that offense humming yeah i know that i've seen it a lot well, i know but like cowboys fans you know who they don't hum against good team well but uh, i think it's different with justin herbert compared to oh Dak. yeah absolutely like absolutely. His way, some of the past concepts and the throws that Dak was asked to make justin herbert can make those without that can't i agree yeah i'm with you well I, i'm excited to see what it looks like because i do i'm not shading kellen moore i think he's a good offensive coordinator all right talk about your cowboys come on good week one win yeah for sure defense defense and special teams ruled the day yeah uh i still have concerns about the run defense yeah uh they finished 22nd in the league last year bad in preseason yeah mozzie is slow off the ball uh i don't like taking raw players in the draft i'm a bpa guy take the best player available yeah especially if you're one of the top 10 teams in the league like just take the best player available don't reach for positional value the last they need the, it though. If, if Mozzie can do. grow to what he what we think he can be, that will be a yeah. massive addition. The, the last time that the Cowboys reached on a first round pick, it was Taco Charlton. Yeah, they haven't reached since, and they nailed pretty much every first round pick. Um, but overall, on the game, I, like I said, a little bit concerned on the run defense. We'll see. It hasn't been good. The last two years has been the reason that the Cowboys have lost in the playoffs to the 49ers two years in a row is because they've just gotten out physicaled. 
But overall, and Dan Quinn, hell of a job as a defense. He's done incredible. Micah's unblockable. Uh, okay, tell me this. Uh, and most people probably wouldn't notice this because you have to kind of know the roster deeply to understand this. I've never seen a defensive coordinator play so many safeties in my life on the field at the same time. Yeah. Wanya Thomas, no one even knows who Wanya Thomas is. He was an undrafted free agent last year. He's the one who blocked uh, the field goal, and he was all over the field. Marquise Bell, undrafted for rookie yeah. last year as well. He signed him to the biggest contract. He was playing linebacker the majority of the game, flying around, taking people's heads off. J. Ron Curse, everybody knows J. Ron yeah. Curse. Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson is a starting safety who wasn't even in on this game. They had packages where they were playing five safeties yeah. on the field at the same time. Like, yeah. you don't see that. Dan Quinn's just a great defensive coordinator. <laughs> and he um, also, I don't I, I sort of wonder, like, for him, just game planning, considering how ridiculous your pass rush is. It's so, I mean, I, I feel like it's just easy to scheme behind that. Yeah. I was like, you don't I, have to think you that don't, hard. You don't. I was texting one of my Especially buddies. Especially when you have a 16-point edge just, like, in the first quarter or right. whatever it was. Like, you can just, all right, pin those ears back and, and go, go kick the Giants offensive yeah. line's ass. And Giants offensive line can run block, but they can't pass block a lick. Evan Neal is so slow, and his, yeah. his edge is shorter than Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, I mean, John, it's ridiculous. John Michael Schmitz was their best offense. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny thought that was funny. Oh. Kenny did think that was funny. Yeah. That took me a second. I was like, <laughs> I was like, who does Tyrion Lannister play for? Oh, oh Game yeah. of Thrones oh, reference. Yeah. yeah, that was rough. Yeah, but no, it's it's they are they are terrible. Yeah, John Michael Schmitz, the rookie in his first game, was their best offensive lineman. Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas, Thomas is all, he's all but, pro. And then but he, I th I I stand by this. I stand by this. I think one of the worst O-line starting O-linemen in the league is Mark Lewinsky, yeah. their right guard. Yeah. He got I, the one time he got a one on one against Micah. Micah was past him for a sack in what half a second it felt like it and he didn't even like make a move he just ran inside and mark lewinsky's like Ooh. yeah no like the cowboys legit they have if they stay healthy like they defensive line they have the talent to like break the nfl sack record like that's how yeah. good they are up front like i'm not homer no, biased cowboys fan like they, how many they have last night seven. seven yeah seven uh and could have technically had another one because that fumbled, you know, that fumbles. Don't Dorrance, count. Sam, Micah, Oso Digazua is a really good interior pass rusher. D-Law. D-Law. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Chauncey Goldson had two sacks last night. One was called back. Like, they just got bodies everywhere. Um, and Micah Parsons is, at least in game one, he's transforming from, like, very good player to, like, generational type player because, <laughs> I don't even, no no but here's, I mean, here's the difference here's, no just listen here's the difference Micah in the past two years you just put him out on the edge you let him win those one-on-one -on -one battles he played off ball he's taking he's taking doubles as a 255 yeah. defensive in playing three tech there was a there was a play last night. He lined up as a nose That's, tackle. I know I saw but that was a stupid play because he did end up sort of getting thrown I know but that either. just shows you like the, the guy that can, shows you Dan Quinn is a uh, he is an experimental yeah, he will insane do, man he's a crazy man too is. don't line up Micah at nose you can line him up at three yeah that's fine I can deal with that get a one on one on a guard right. he'll kick their ass every time but line him up at nose tackle was that's, pretty funny come on brother that's too much it was um but yeah it was a, it was good good week one we didn't get to see much from the offense uh, I felt like I liked the play calling that we saw 
it looks like they're going back to more play actions and boots and it looks much it looks much more like the offense that we were running early in Dak's career when he was extremely successful i mean i even saw a read option thrown in there where Dak right. kept it i which was, i, I which is, I've, I've always thought like especially in the red zone that should be a dot you should dial that up all the time 100 you got a 245 pound quarterback and you have a good running back. but since they dislo he dislocated his ankle they just haven't gone back to it now, now but i think we're yeah yeah i think we're i think we're at the point now uh tony pollard awesome Stud. yeah just awesome but that was yeah that was it that's my thoughts and then finally it will be quick Bengals lost. terrible that was terrible yeah 82 uh, 14 for yards. 31 for 82 yards yeah t higgins no catches five years 275 million that's the first first performance first bit of film he first put performance back out. after that was the worst game of his entire nfl career mm -hmm. uh also aaron Rodgers hurt hurt third or they fourth say play it's the ankle game. they say it's ankle yeah i'm sure we'll know we'll know when this comes out yeah. tomorrow what the diagnosis is but as of right now yeah chef just hey. reported that uh test came back negative uh x-ray oh, that's back. good news that's yeah. good news but it could be a right. lot of different things turf toe it could be it could be sprain that's but that my, takes that's away liz thoughts. frank broken foot right yeah. now mri mri results aren't through yet so no it's it just x-rays x -rays. i would i thought it i mean it looks like you know a, a mid-foot injury or like a looks high like ankle sprain they showed a real slow um slow motion kind of up close play of it and it looks like a toe yeah honestly. that's what that's what i said it as does soon as i thought but his, his, his ankle turned out it did too. yeah so, so there is that you guys will know um, um when this comes out what that is there the don't jets know. are jets are definitely uh cursed and i hate to be this guy and i know this may offend some people <laughs> it was aaron Rodgers fault that he got hurt Oh, it was holding the ball too long. Yeah, it was a three-step drop. He had his uh, Garrett Wilson tackles cutting. He had Garrett Wilson on a slant wide open. He's supposed to get rid of that in three steps. You don't have a tackle cut unless it's quick game. Right. And he decided that he wanted to hold on to it, and he ends up getting sacked and hurt. I, I wish I didn't feel that way, but based on what my eyes tell me from that play, right. it was his fault. And he did it twice on that drive. He the did. second time is when he, when when it he got hurt. All right, Kenny, last topic, and let's get out of here. Let's go UFC 293. Just a stunning, stunning event, man. Uh, I think nobody thought that um, Sean Strickland had even a chance nope. against the GOAT middleweight. I mean, at this point, I, I, obviously I between him and Anderson, Anderson Silva, Silva. But, that was bad. But Sean Strickland came in and just beat his ass all five rounds. He did. Yeah. The second round, I think, Izzy got him. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, but that was... <laughs> yeah, right, the that first, was I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about. Um, a lot of people would think because Izzy lost to Pajeda TKO that he had been knocked down before. This was the first knockdown ever scored against Israel Adesanya in his UFC career. And Sean Strickland came and right came, after him and got a bunch of shots in on him yeah, right after. Yeah, and like a freaking madman. You know what it felt like to me? It felt like Izzy came in thinking this was going to be relatively sweet. He got caught early. And he figured, okay, I was going to bring this five rounds, but now I'm behind a little bit. But he never pressed he never forward. Put the foot he couldn't. On the gas. But that's what bothers me, though, because like I think people wanted to say, like they're oh he fixed this fight. He didn't. He wasn't aggressive even when he needed to be. He never fights like that. He always is fighting off his back foot. Yeah. So he's not built to mount to come back and knock you out when he needs to, especially if someone knows they're up on the card. Right. I'll give Sean Strickland credit, though. Even when he knew he was up on the card, he he didn't stop. Pressure on. Pressure, pressure on. Stayed he's, in his face. He had Izzy moving back for 25, like for yes. the full 25 yes. minutes. Izzy was moving back. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was shocking. Uh, Israel Adesanya is clearly the better fighter 
of the two. At least the better striker of the two. But it just looked like Sean Strickland wanted it more on Saturday I think, night. And, he, and I think Izzy he had a, thought it was going to be sweet. I That's, think he had a good game plan, too. And Eugene Behrman, Izzy's coach at City Kickbox, and talked about it after the fight. And he was like, that, you know, one thing that I think really threw him off guard is that every time Izzy threw, Sean threw. He counterstruck 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And it just had Izzy hesitant and guessing and not knowing when to throw. And, and he's never, he's always the one making everyone else guess. Right. So it was uh, definitely interesting. Uh, what was Izzy minus 600. 675, Six yeah. I believe? I think it's the biggest, it's definitely by, I'm pretty sure it's the biggest upset in Vegas in UFC championship history. Well, Matt Sarah and uh, GSP, yeah, GSP was a big upset. So people were comparing the two. Well, but like how far, uh, what was the line on that? My uh, G- GSP was minus 1,200. Okay, so yeah, that's the biggest and one. And the biggest one gonna... of all time is Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm. Ronda Rousey was minus So I was way off with my stat. Yeah. My statistician needs to get fired? Yeah. Okay. Get him out of here. Do y'all think, so Dana came out and basically said there's going to be a rematch. Yeah, you got to run it back. So do you, I mean, where do y'all stand on it? Y'all think Sean can get him again? Or I, do think, think, I, no. I think Izzy wins. And we talked, uh, me and my friends, after we watched the fight, we talked about this too. It's like, man, is is he just at a point of dominance in his career where he has to be motivated? Yeah, no, that uh, like it felt like one hundred percent. Based on what I saw, it seemed like lazy camp. I'm going to take him five rounds and outstrike him. Yeah. that's what his plan was. Because same thing, Alex Pajeda, Izzy comes out and looks like a freaking monster. And I think if this would have been Drickus Duplessis, Izzy would have been motivated. Yeah. But Sean just didn't really do anything for anybody. Like, no one gave but Sean a that's, chance. that's part of being great, man. Yeah. You got to find your I, own motivation. Right. I agree. I just think he might be at a point where... Mamba mentality. Yeah. You think he's going to take a break, Christian? I mean, obviously no. he's... No. No. I think he wants to fight. I think he wants to beat Strickland. And I think he wants to... Beat Duplessis. I think he that. wants to fight Duplessis at 300. At UFC 300, so which I believe is So he gets the belt back in, in between. He gets the belt back and then fights Duplessis at... 300? At 300. Yeah, I think that's what he wants to do. He's already talked about wanting to fight at 300. Izzy is one of the most active guys in the UFC, despite how incredible that he's been over the last several years. So, no. I, I Did you hear what Eugene Behrman said in the press conference? No, I didn't get to He hear said it. they literally asked Mick Maynard in the back if they could fight again next week. Siri, like They got to chill out, bro. He didn't laugh. He wasn't, he wasn't joking. He literally went up to Mick Maynard... And was like, I'd hey. feel better if he was joking. Yeah, yeah he, no, no, he was chill out. Nasty word. They got to stop with that. Yeah, he said he went up and asked, "Can we fight again next week?" And said that if they were to say yes, that they would 100. percent To hell with that. Is he was lumped up? Yeah, he was lumped. Oh up yeah, he de- yeah yeah. That's a five round fight. Like you can't fight again next week. But uh, yeah, Izzy's not taking a break. And also, Sean Strickland would be like, "Hell no." Yeah, definitely <laughs> crazy. Not. You're insane. I don't know. Insane. Hey, Sean Strickland and calling nobody insane. Sean Strickland probably would do it. He's that crazy. Oh. Sean's a wild dude. <laughs> he is wild. Um, have you heard much about him, Gabe? Yeah, like, have no, you heard his a, press conferences? He's a, he's, he's a clown. God, dude. Oh, he's, man, he's a, a clown. clown. He's crazy. I honestly, it, I, it, that win, I'm just kind of like, oh god, more than any win. No, no, it makes you sick to your yeah, stomach. Like, like I, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't have cl- happened to a worse person. You know, just, just a like, total oh. clown, clown job. I can't stand him. Um. All right. Boys, I think that's going to wrap us up. You look like you got something else. You got something else. You're ready to wrap, wrap it up? up? All right. We appreciate you guys for joining us yet again this week. You can head over to bluffcitymedia.co. Check out everything we got going over there from articles, podcasts, 
YouTube videos, all that good stuff. Um, but with that being said, we'll wrap it up. We're going to get out of here, and we'll see you guys back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.